Hey guys, Kayana here. And I do mean guys in the most gender neutral way you could possibly mean it. So anyway, I know that this is like a day or two late and I normally would give this to you on Tuesday, but I still want to do it anyway this week because I think I promised it this week. So just going to go ahead and give you the second update after episode three. And I just wanted to, you know, just quickly answer a few more questions or entertain some curiosities that uh, I know a few of you had. So last week I mentioned, um, actually a few times I've mentioned over the past few months what I've been doing in my writing. And that includes not only just writing uh, things dealing with of music and men, but also writing some, I write a bunch of stuff. (laughs) It's like... Um, a lot of it is developing TV shows, uh, definitely write a lot of features, uh, mentioned last week also shooting a short film that I, uh, wrote as a part of an anthology, uh, collection of other short films with other filmmakers that will be, uh, I will give more information on that later, but, uh, not later today, but later in, in life, uh, Lord willing, <laughs> but, um, So, yeah, so just some of the curiosities that I know a few people had that I didn't entertain last week, but I definitely want to entertain now is, um, for instance, what actually am I doing other than the writing? So uh, working with Roadmap Writers is is really cool. You can visit it at RoadmapWriters.com. I've been plugging them like two weeks straight. So, you know, but those are my people now. So I met them back in the summer. Um through the pitch prep program and as a part of their career writer program. And the thing is, like, I didn't go to school for screenwriting. I sort of um, sort of did it the Quentin Tarantino way. Uh, And if you don't know what that is, Quentin Tarantino says, I didn't go to film school. I went to films. So that's sort of what I did, too. Looked at films, studied them. You can find anything you need or want education-wise, except maybe brain surgery by going online and researching it. So you can find scripts to pretty much any TV show or film. Look at it, read it, read a bunch of them, um, and you can learn the craft that way. And then you just write. You just keep writing and keep writing and keep writing. So that's sort of what I've been doing the past, uh, I would say, maybe 10 years or so. Probably longer than that, actually, but I'll, I'll just be... Uh, conservative and say 10 years is going to the actual film. So what Roadmap does is they don't teach you how to write. They assume you at least have that under your belt. But most writers, especially aspiring uh, screenwriters, from what I've heard, their film schools that they spend millions of dollars on uh, or seemingly millions of dollars, they don't really teach you the business, which is alarming because that's really part like half of the reason I'm not going to say the reason why you're in it, but you're not writing a screenplay to then have it at home on your computer. You're writing it to probably sell it or partner with some studio or network or something. It seemed like literally half the thing that you do outside of the art is the business. And so it's it's alarming to me that pretty much everyone that I know that went to film school said they don't they didn't learn what roadmap is teaching them, which is um, a lot of the preparation and the pitching and, and, and they literally set you up with execs and you talk to these executives. Um, sometimes it's, it's on the shorter end, 10 minutes. Sometimes it's on the longer end, a few hours through classes, but you're getting set up with managers, agents, producers, people like that, who 
can give you some insight, whether it's on the actual script itself, meaning they've read your long script, or they are giving you insight via your pitch. So you may have an opportunity to sit down and actually pitch material to them in a way that Roadmap has already taught you how to pitch because that's part of what they do. And then you get tips from actual execs on like, are you interested? Would you be interested in something like this? Not that they're there for that reason, but they're at least telling you from it from their perspective. If this is, uh, are you doing a good job of of articulating what your project is? So it's, it's wonderful. So anyway, pitching is something of an art that honestly many writers don't even think about until we have to think about it. So working with Roadmap, I've pitched more than I ever have in my entire life. And I'm probably one of the rare writers who actually kind of enjoy it. And I'll admit, it's probably a little vanity. I like talking about my projects. I didn't write them in order to keep them to myself. You know, most of them, well, I will say all of them, I wrote in order to then present it um, in some way and then hope that, you know, you get something from it. So I have a few projects, but I've mostly, through the program, I've mostly like 90% of what I've done in the program with uh, Roadmap is worked on this this hour-long pilot um, or the pitching of it. It's called Reaper. And I did a little, I did a couple of pitches with um, with some folks on of Music and Men, but not, I, I didn't focus on that one uh, with the program. And you all know about of Music and Men, so I'll tell you a little bit about Reaper. I think I mentioned it before, but just to refresh, I'll I'll give you the log line for it. So it's an hour-long quasi-procedural, which pretty much means there's a case of the week, but then there's also this uh, thread story that ties in all of the episodes, uh, especially the episodes for, for maybe season one, but it may, you know, linger on after that. So the logline is, after being demoted from her job as the Grim Reaper for playing fast and loose with her ethereal duties here, Death decides to put her unearthly powers to better use, exacting justice for the soon-to-be-dead. So let me just say this first. So art, I know, art is subjective, uh, meaning some people get it and some people don't. Some people like it, some people don't, and that's okay. Just for the ones that don't like it, speaking specifically about this piece, because um, it's been about 60-40. I would say 60, maybe 55% of the people who I have let in, <laughs> who have let read it or experience it in some way, they actually did like it. And some pretty, pretty, uh, I would say, important people actually kind of like it. All the people were important, but again, 55, a little over 50%, I would say, actually did like it. I can't, the thing is, when you're an artist and you have something that you know you've spent a lot of time mentally developing, sometimes we just kind of come up with random ideas and we're like, hey, we're just going to put this together. And you don't care as much about it. That's That's one thing. When you do care and you've put a lot of work and time into studying and all of that, I don't care who the person is. They could be the biggest executive in the world. They could be Steven Spielberg. They could be, uh, you know, George Lucas. They could be someone who has made millions, billions of dollars doing this. I would venture to say that you need to... <sighs> You need to really know what it is that you have, and you can't allow anyone, anyone to try and make something that you've done into something that they want it to be. And that's a fine line to walk, but I've experienced that this year. And I don't, I don't think it, with any of my other projects, and it may just be because 
the other projects. I, I haven't pitched to people who, uh, you know, work at studios so they think they know or I have, you know, I, I never did that. And I've been using this project as sort of a guinea pig for everything that I've been doing this year with making connections with people. And this is just one of those types of stories that you think you know what it is when you hear me read that little short summary, that log line. And I think that when people hear that, even before they read it or if they ever, some of them have, haven't read it at all, but just by that log line, they assume that it's going to be something. They shape their mind for what that something is. And then when they read it and it's not that, there's this sort of like, well, I was expecting this, so I can't like what you've given me because I was I was expecting something. I was expecting pizza. I'm hungry. You gave me a sandwich. And although the sandwich may be good, I can't like it because it's not pizza. It's one of those sort of things. And so one of the uh, other stories that I've, I've gotten, um, I'm going to tell you what this story is, what my intention of it is, but I'll tell you that I've gotten the mention a couple of times of, there's a show on, on um, Amazon called Good Omens. And I checked it out. And someone who read this, uh, read my piece, they didn't compare it to Good Omens, but I think that's what they wanted it to be because it deals with some similar types of mythology, you know, with life and death, angels and things like that. And because of the mention of, in mind, because of the mention of some supernatural characters, like I already told you that death herself, the Grim Reaper, is the main character. Most people's minds go directly to full-on flying angels and demons and magic spells and weird creatures. And I'm like, no, that's not what you're going to get. I mean, you're not going to get that. You may get a, like 10% of that, maybe 5% of that, at most 15% of that. But, but this is supposed to be a very grounded story. It's a drama. It's, it's a procedural. Like, I don't know if you don't know what a procedural is. It's, it's, it's usually considered a cop show. Um, a lot of times they have buddy procedurals where you'll have like this ex this weird expert that teams up with the police and they go on these, you know, they solve crimes together. Like essentially that's what this is. It's the kind of stories that we see all the time on broadcast networks that always, now funny thing, uh, and one exec laughed when I told her this. I was like, we see this all, we see this kind of story all the time on networks and they all seem to last more than five seasons. But those cute little shows with the flying creatures in there, they're cute, but they last at most sometimes two, at most three seasons. They don't last very long because we get tired of it. Like, we, you know, it's cute for one or two episodes and then it's like, OK, this should have been a movie. Get it over with. I'm, I'm tired of seeing this. So my thing is I wanted to tell a very grounded story and more something that kind of revolved around uh, the themes of our life death continuum by presenting questions that. We ask all the time about our existence. But the funny thing is I wanted to have an unexpected character in death herself or itself give us the answers. And again, it's it's a procedural. It's, you know, funny enough, Lucifer uh, does a particularly great job at balancing the dynamic that I'm talking about. Um, of course, after the pilot, they get into the pilot being the first episode, they get into you know, some some of the introducing you to some of his world as the, you know, the Lord of the underworld and all of that kind of stuff. But when you watch that first episode or most episodes, it's this weird guy 
who's helping out this police officer. And in mine, uh, the secondary character is an ex-cop, so it's not quite a police procedural, but, you know, it makes it very interesting that it's they're still investigating mysterious cases, uh, and it has that dynamic. Now, now I started watching Sherlock because it's on Netflix now. That that could not be a better comparison. Literally Sherlock Holmes, only my girl, uh, my character, she's a girl. Um, she's not very good yet at because obviously being a detective is not her full time job. It's not even something she ever did in her in her life, thousands of years here on Earth. <laughs> so she's not as good as Sherlock, but it's still the essentially the same format of, you know, Sherlock and uh, Watson going out investigating. And Watson is accompanying Sherlock uh, on this journey and and lending his expertise where he can. But um, again, so Sherlock Elementary, uh, which was another kind of Sherlocky spinoff, Castle. I, I recently watched All of Monk, perfect show. It was a little more quirky and a little lighter because of the network that it was on. It wasn't as dark as Sherlock, but still Monk, Person of Interest. I could go on. Person of Interest was a good one. Um, Again, not a cop procedural, but it ended up, you know, he works to bring justice uh, and it's two people that are essentially working in tandem. That is what I'm going for. And all of these shows, like all of them have more than five seasons, all of them. Because we we get something, I don't know what it is about uh, the mystery, the week-by-week week cases. It's something about that that is addictive to us, to most people. Even people who aren't even, would even consider themselves necessarily interested in what the police do on a day-to-day basis. Just something about the, the mysterious deaths or solving mysterious cases. It's interesting. And that's what I want to do. I want to do something that's totally interesting from a different perspective. Death being a British black woman that's walking around D.C., you know, and, and it, it delves into the tech industry in D.C., which, which is very, um, I won't say underrated, it's just unknown. Like most people don't know that D.C. is one of those, it's one of the fastest growing tech hubs in this country. Um, one exec even told me that they love the fact that this story takes place in D.C. It's an unexpected uh, setting and it's non-political. I mean, if I wanted, if I want to delve into politics, obviously I could, but the pilot doesn't say anything about politics. D.C. is just the place where these rich billionaires, this tech billionaires trying to, um, I'm not going to get into all, all of what they're trying to do, but Death essentially herself as the character plays this incredibly unique role in an incredibly unique setting. And it's, I love this story. So I recently, um, I had a conversation with Rebecca uh, Boss. I hope she didn't mind me saying it, but I already said it, so it's out there now. But Rebecca Boss Massey, she's a TV writer. And she may not want me to say pretty successful, but I, I, if you've been on successful TV shows writing in their room and you're like, you know, con- constantly work, it's hard. Like it's more, it's probably more people in the NFL than there are in, in, in like active working TV writers. <laughs> but um, she's worked on Star, uh, which was a Fox show. She worked on Being Mary Jane, a Gabrielle Union show. And she's currently doing a, a new show with a new uh, TV show that's yet to come on yet, but it's a Lee Daniel uh, back show. She read Reaper and absolutely got it, absolutely loved it for what it was. You know, she loved it, um, understood what it was uh, or what it is. It's it's more grounded. And I'm using, that's her word, the grounded word. And I was like, yes, that's a, that's a good word, that it's not this expensive 
flying creatures, crazy makeup thing. It's it's very grounded. She loved it. And then I talked to, um, oh, I, I had the opportunity to do a 10-minute conversation, 10-minute pitch, which is totally weird because you don't get to know the person. You just start talking. But uh, Glenn Geller is a former head of CBS. Like That's like as big as it gets. Uh, now he's the president at a, at a production company that has a, a deal with Sony. And he liked my, he didn't read the script. He liked the pitch, but didn't love it. And this is just based on the pitch. And now I could have just may not have satisfied his itch with the pitch. <laughs> you know, it could have just been all me and not necessarily the script. Um, but he made some, he gave me some notes or feedback on the pitch where, and again, I totally take credit or maybe not so much credit, but I totally take responsibility. And maybe I didn't articulate as good as I thought I was doing with um, saying what this is, but it didn't seem like he totally got what it what it was I was doing. And if he did get it, just based on some of his suggestions, maybe it's just not particularly, it, he wanted it to be something else. Uh, and that's okay. And then like, I uh, also got the chance to do a, a long class with Daniel Clark over, he's a manager over at Water Street Anthem. And we did two uh, sessions together. And I I walked away saying Daniel gets it because the notes he gave the first round, I went back and made changes. He loved the changes that were made. He got the, he was the one that even said the Sherlock comp, uh, the, the TV show Sherlock. He got that that was a similar tone. Uh, that's essentially what I was going for. Like he totally gets it. So it's like you, when you're writing, everything is sub, sub, uh, subjective and not everybody is going to get it. Not everybody's going to love it. And that doesn't always feel good because you want everybody to love it, right? But if you go in knowing that not everyone's going to love it, I think that you you walk away uh, kind of with more confidence in yourself uh, once you totally understand what it is you're trying to do. I think the insecurity lies in when you're just throwing darts with with your writing and you don't totally get it. They don't like it. And then you you feel this insecurity because it's like, ugh. I didn't really, honestly, if I was being honest with myself, I don't really, I didn't really know what I was doing. Like, I didn't really have the story fully flushed out. I, I just didn't quite know. Uh, that's when the insecurity sets in for me. But um, anyway, so working to me, working with Roadmap or for me, working with Roadmap has truly helped me become more confident in my brand. Now, that was something that I knew, but I just didn't know how to articulate before your brand as a writer. Yes, writers have brands. Um, even if you write across different genres, like as you can see, this Reaper story is nothing like of music and men, but there are some similarities. There are some very unique similarities that speak only to me and what I can write, which is totally cool. And, and, you, and I got that now uh, because again, with, with a class through Roadmap. So seeing so many writers like in our classes and all that kind of stuff with them, all of these writers are so unique. Uh, but the thing is now I find it not only okay, but I feel encouraged to be unapologetic in what my writing brand is. So now I have this bio, which we did a, a bio class class. They do all of uh, they do all of that with you <laughs> at Roadmap. So part of my my bio actually reads now, quote, it reads this. I give fuel to female-driven vehicles emphasizing existential undertones that put unusual or unexpected women at the wheel. My stories are always flavored with other genres, fantasy, sports, music, which gives my work with both TV and feature scripts a common thread. I make 
women of color leads just as acceptably flawed and admirably defective as the straight white men we always find a way to love. So that sentence or those two sentences are are part of my bio now because I sat back and looked at all of the directors and especially all of the movies that I love. And I'll just be honest, like all pretty much pretty much all of the movies that I love feature in some way a straight white man doing whatever the hell he wants to do and he's redeemed in some way at the end. <laughs> and we accept it and we like it. Jerry Maguire, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Uh, I can go on and on and on. Those are just like a couple off the top of my head. But we, I love those movies. And the thing is, I'm like, I would watch those movies and say, why couldn't a black woman or a Latinx woman or Asian woman kind of move like that? You know, like, why can't she have permission, you know, to be so arrogant and so uh just just that way and you know we just accept it and and look forward to her redemption at the end we'd never see that we always see them or us uh particularly all women really but especially women of color as these heroes from the get-go or something that's someone that is um unredeemable altogether (laughs) it's like no redeeming qualities um but say anyway that's just you know again something that's part of my bio now. So I have a firm grip on what it is that I write. And again, the thread that you can see here is with whether it's with Reaper when you when you do or when we do finally make it into a TV show. And even with Kenya, um, with Of Music and Men, you see these, uh, as I mentioned, these uh, unpredictable or unusual women at the wheel, uh, whether that is unusual in their careers, uh, unusual in their complete makeup, you know, one being this, you know, little entrepreneur struggling with a unique personality or whether it's death herself walking among us as a venture capitalist helping the police solve crimes. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, but <laughs> it's so cool and so fun. And I can't wait to um, to be able to share more of this stuff with you guys. So one last thing I mentioned um last time is like networks. Uh, I've been talking to a bunch of networks and someone wanted to know who my dream network or what my dream network would be for Of Music and Men. Uh, So I want to share that with you and how all of this is coming together because I can feel that it's all coming together. So I want to share that with you. Uh, So, okay. So I got the chance to pitch Of Music and Men so far to two really big, like two of the biggest premium networks. So technically I wasn't pitching to like the CEO of the networks per se, but it was still, still got the opportunity to pitch. You normally wouldn't be pitching to the CEO, but pitch to someone or share this information, talk to someone um, who is a representative of the networks. So one of them uh, has already expressed that they like it. But the thing is, they're working on something that may be too similar. And the other network, I'm still waiting to hear back from. I'm not holding my breath. I just said I'm waiting to hear back. So I'll leave it at that. Let you interpret it. So uh, the thing is, we have we have a thousand cop shows on one network. We have a million hospital shows at any given time on one network. But let two black women have shows remotely in the same genre, remotely, and I'll say, uh, and it's just too many. It's just too many, too much. The thing is, 
honestly, HBO might be a might be a perfect network, just given the content and the approach that I would take with this. But I can honestly say that I believe, and this is just my belief, that the presence of Issa Rae and her t- Insecure uh, TV show with HBO would make them turn the other way when it comes to Of Music and Men. Now, you might say Michaela Cole is on there, and that's true. But Michaela Cole, is that show is completely different, especially given that she's uh, from overseas. It's just a totally different dynamic. So that's a completely different uh, approach when it comes to, um, you know, having a black woman. But, but HBO is, is a little different. They usually take a little bit, uh, I believe, that they take a, a few more risks than a lot of other people. And they may because they're they're the top um, or at the top when it comes to like awards and all of that kind of stuff uh, with theirs, whereas some of the other networks are still trying to find their or still finding their way when it comes to uh, that kind of thing and new uh, productions and new TV shows and stuff. But I could be wrong. I mean, HBO might call me tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just that kind of thought process where there's something that and and of music and men is nothing like insecure, but it's just a, a similarity in our ages. We're both American women. We're both black. It's that kind of thing. Um, but I will say that one of the networks I initially thought that this might one of them that I thought that this might work best on is the one that has already passed on it. Now, funny thing is. I could make an I could actually make an argument for several networks like because there are books and other stuff with this. Amazon Prime might make a really good home since they might see that they could capitalize on the other products. They already sell everything. So books and then they have they just launched their podcast network uh, or podcast app to go along with um, the audiobooks and all of that. And so given that I have audiobooks, I have tangible books, I have ebooks and then have the podcast, Amazon might actually be a good fit. I don't know. And then they don't have really anything on Amazon Prime that speaks in this way. They have just uh, signed a deal with Lena Waithe. And so I don't know what you know, what she plans on bringing. But I mean, that aside, I, it might actually be a good fit. And then you think about Hulu. They just canceled High Fidelity uh, not too long ago. So they could possibly be a good home for a different way to tell a music business story with a female lead. Who knows? Uh, Stars is a pretty cool network. Sort of been around a while, but feels like it's more on the rise recently. And maybe it's because they found who who is a good audience for them. Um, They had a great show called Vita that they canceled too soon, uh, but that's just my opinion. And then they had Power, which a lot of folks like. I've never seen Power, though. Um, But anyway, with that, and then they also have P-Valley now that I'm, I'm hearing some great stuff about. So they may be open to another fresh voice like mine which is why I need your guys' help, like, you know, building this thing. Because I think the one missing thing for me is, like, I'm really trying to make sure that the audience that I'm doing, you know, that I'm building on the outside of all of this TV stuff is there. Like, that's super important to me. So, anyway, all I know is that when this thing finally really, really hits, it's going to really, really hit. I can truly say that. And whatever network that gets on board with this. I mean, they're going to be some lucky sons of bitches, and I can say that. And I don't even usually say stuff like that, but it's not even hubris. I could totally see it already. Whoever gets on board with this, whenever they do, they're going to be 
extremely, extremely glad that they did. Uh, and part of it is because of the work that you and I are doing right now. And this little podcast is just a small part of that. But anyway, so I'm going to leave it at that. I've ranted and, and went on long enough. I hope you found some value in uh, and some lessons in this little Q&A with I only answered like three questions or this little Q&A here. As I mentioned before, I am working on, oh, I'm launching a formal place to share these rants that are outside of uh, just publishing them as a podcast. It's called The Cold Open. Um, it's going to be a part of my uh, part of my website. It's the website has already been built. I will be launching it probably next week. I'm not going to do like a big <laughs> launch party or anything like that for it. I'm just going to just straight up launch it put the content on there um, and it'll be a place where you can go and you can find any material that you need uh, to find. Because right now my website is just a presentation of like KeanaEbonyBrown.com. It's just a presentation of who I am, but it doesn't speak to my voice. Like you don't see these kinds of things or any videos or, or blog posts or anything like that, that I think will be of value to you. It's all about you. It's all about how I can use my voice to in some way help you. And there was a few nuggets in, in, uh, in this little rant, especially for writers, taking a hold of your voice, finding it and not letting people change it into what they want it to be. Little things like that that I find very valuable and I think you will too. So it'll be a home for those things called the cold open. Uh, and it'll be linked up on my website very, very soon. But I appreciate you taking the time and listening. Also, make sure to visit ofmusicandmen.com. Download your copy of episode two right now. If you don't have the funds to afford it, it is still available for pay as you please option. But if you do have a couple bucks, just throw a couple bucks in there. It'll always be helpful as I'm trying to build this empire. And I do appreciate you listening. So take care and I'll catch you next time. Thank you.